Welcome to Bullpen Session. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening. I uh, hope everybody's all right. Excited to share this week's conversation with Susie DeVore. Susie runs the department at Hillsborough Community College in Florida, down in Tampa area. And it was a great conversation. Uh, we partnered, the Farm Theater has partnered with Susie three times. And it's just a wonderful collaborator, but it was great. I saw her at the SCTC conference, and she was with four of her students, and I got to spend time with them. You'll hear a little bit about that in the conversation, but just, it was just great. And I realized how much she was partnering on a new musical right now with them and our th- three new p- play productions and then her taking them to SCTC and taking them to Sundance and different things and just how much she does and how engaged and important she is in the community of theater and invested in it down there. And I thought, oh, it's great. If you are... You're an actor, teacher, now director, and I just thought of all of the wonderful work she does and and the opportunities she has and the nimbleness. And of course, you know, you'll hear limited resources and things, but uh, but I just thought it vibrant as can be and really high energy, and I just love everything she's doing. So it was great to talk to her. And also, we were introduced a couple of years ago at a theater conference in Boston by our good friend, uh, Karen Square, who said I should meet Susie. She runs the department at school and she should meet me because of the farm. And I wanted to say we had a, you know, we had like a three minute conversation at this conference about we got to talk, we got to talk. And from there, I think we've had a five year working relationship and it's it's wonderful. So I'm excited to share that with you. And also, you know, looking forward to the next couple weeks from now, I'm going down to Furman to see Jake Brash as our Tempest. He was just down there working with the students and it making rewrites and they sound incredibly and they don't sound it everything about it is sounds incredibly invested and I'm excited about that getting to see how that play has grown and Dipti Brahmankar and I went down to Shenandoah to be Scott Hudson invited us down for the initial conversation for this upcoming college collab play for Dipti's play and we had the conversation in person and also the night before students presented monologues of Dipti's and they were great. Both of them were great. And I just, uh, and there's an 11 o'clock event that the students host called Playwrights. And, um, you know, there was a room full of students there for the audience and fully lit and off book and well-directed and just great energy. And then the conversation in person, I wish, you know, <laughs> wish we could do more of that. It's uh, luckily, you know, Virginia is close enough for a train ride and uh very special to get to do it in person. I think this may have been the first time we've done that. And it was just great to create an opportunity for reading what's happening in the room and a little more vibrant crosstalk and going out with students afterwards. And, you know, I'm always impressed with how thoughtful they are and uh, and invested in the themes that the playwrights are writing. That said, speaking of invested, I'm going to share with the great work of uh, that Susie and our conversation. Really excited to share that with you. So, on that, play ball. This is a, um, the first time that I am collaborating with a community partner. And our community partner is Lab Theater Project, who only produces new work as well. 
So, um, you know, as a solo faculty member of the theater department, it is my job, my responsibility to choose the productions that for, for each semester of the students. And I do direct all of them for the most part. Well, not for the most part, I do. <laughs> and, um, you know, the last few years have been challenging in choosing work that we can either produce due to COVID or other reasons. And my students absolutely love musicals, of course, right? Uh, and we all love a good musical, but due to lack of resources at the college, musicals are way, most of the time, way out of my, my reach. Uh, so I do my best in order to find funds for things like this. And I had really been wanting to direct and produce Spring Awakening. I thought it was just, I love the, I love the show and I had some really creative, wonderful ideas for it. <clears throat> and unfortunately I did not, when it came down to the real reality of it, it, I didn't have the resources and I didn't really have, I, it wasn't the right time at the college to do the show. You know, it's got a lot of stuff in it. You know, they just had their what, 15, 30, how many, what? Re a recent reunion last year so it was yeah. also kind of timely timely because of that but again it wasn't it wasn't the right time to do it for me so well, Owen not, Robertson, not, to, not to interrupt but when you say you didn't have the resources does that mean for the scale of tech and band that's needed for the size of cast what's the what resources are you looking at primarily money in order to pay for the rights in order to hire a band, to hire a musical director, to hire a choreographer, to hire a lighting designer, to hire a scenic designer, <laughs> to uh, yeah, hire a costume designer, all of those things. Um, so when you when we're working in the scales of musical, obviously the royalties go up considerably from a traditional play and uh, every, all of the other aspects that come with that, musical directions, bands, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the lack of resources. Great, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so Owen of Lab Theater Project came to me and said, hey, I heard you wanted to do a musical. I happen to have a brand new musical that's been, we are wanting to do at Lab next year. But if you are in a place, but they have a very tiny theater, a tiny theater that holds about 60 people. Our theater is a little, well, our main stage theater holds about 250. So it's a nice size, but it's not a huge theater, but bigger than theirs. And he said, you know, we really would love to be able to do this on your stage. <laughs> How would you like to collaborate? It seems like a win-win for both of us. And I said, yes. I said, it's perfect. Tell me, well, obviously he told me about the musical and I said, right. yes, it's perfect. So I quickly looked at the calendar and we had uh, we had space. We typically do a, only a one week run at the college. And uh, I was able to squeeze out a two week run for eight performances. So still a short run, um, but longer than what we do. And uh, we, we made it work and we started collaborating and we uh, yeah started going forward. I think that was probably in December and we're going to open next week, uh, March 30th. <laughs> nice. How's it going? Wonderful, wonderful. We've been working very hard. The students have been working very hard. It's a really wonderful collaborative dynamic design team. And yeah, we're super excited. And how does what is the part? I'm gonna talk about all the it's it's great to hear all of the work that goes into running a one-person 
department. How does the partnership with Lab Theater, what do they bring to it? They brought the play. But is they it- brought the yes, they brought the play. And because they were already planning on doing it, he they had some of the aspects in in position already. So he they had the musical direction. They had the band. Um, so that was a big thing. Uh, and then some of their contacts, they had additional funding. So we sat down and we said, I can spend this. HCC can spend this. You can spend this. We basically split it down the middle. Uh, so we were able to work within both of our budgets and uh, we kind of split the design team that way and the rest of the casting. The cast is primarily HCC students and we have three community members that are non-HCC students that are part of the cast. And are they regular lab theater people or? No, they're actually, well, one of them is uh, and the other two are brand new um, to lab and to HCC. One is a recent high school grad from a a theater department who that is run by one of my former students so that's really exciting as well nice yes and the other one came to us actually from a recommendation from another um another director producer writer who writes musicals who i helped launch his first musical at hcc a few years pre-covid um that he had a contact with and he sent him our way so yeah Good. It's a grounded network. How did you, how did, I'm going to back up, but how did you come to HCC? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I came to HCC, I think I'm going on 12 years now. So it started as an adjunct and then I've been full-time for almost 12 years. Um, I was working in radio for a clear channel radio as a administrator, as a salesperson. And I actually really loved it. It was really fun to sell radio. It was a lot of work as any sales job is, but it was fun to be involved in the radio aspect. I got to do some recordings of commercials as well and voiceover work. And, but I was working in radio and a man by the name of Keith Arsenal, who is um, very connected in the Tampa Bay area, has been uh, here for a long time, was working for the college. And he came into Clear Channel to buy some radio spots for his Uh, for his, he had a circus at the time. I don't know the name of the circus, but he had a circus at the time and he wanted to promote his circus. And uh, I happened to be the person that he saw and we started talking and our love of theater came out and our backgrounds came out. And he found out that I had a master's degree and he said, do you want to teach? And I said, well, I do, but you know, I'm kind of really happy here right now. And um, he said, well, I'll keep you in mind. And I said, sure. Great. He said, you know, HCC is always looking for adjuncts. And I was like, okay. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. But in the meantime, I continued to be, get more and more involved in the Tampa Bay theater community and know more and more people. And then an opportunity came up. I don't know how many years later, uh, for me to teach, uh, to, to interview for an adjunct position at HCC and Keith recommended me and I went in for the interview and I got the job. And uh, unfortunately, the person who was the full-time person at the time was uh, very sick and was out quite a bit. And I had to pick up a lot of her classes and the other adjunct did as well. And she ended up resigning that year and I 
interviewed for the full-time temporary position and I got it. And it's basically been history since then. It has been. And did you, did you have an idea at that moment that you'd be in my mind, it's like you're running a small theater company, you know, it's very similar to that in the sense of when you talk about resources and stretching them for what you can do. And also the nimbleness, which is a benefit I'll talk about it later, but of picking a play in December that you can, that you're going to do in March as opposed to seasonal planning, you know, and <laughs> which is nice. That flexibility is, is enjoyable. But did you know that, like, did you look at it and say, Oh, I'm going to be, a, I'm a one person band. I did uh, because I had been an adjunct there. I was well aware of what I was getting into and the department when I started was not in good shape. Um, the classes weren't making the active. So obviously my primary job is to teach acting one, acting two, performance and intro to theater. And um, at the time the, the department was really struggling and the classes were barely making, they hadn't done a production in, I don't know how many years. There hadn't been a full-time tenured professor in over 10 years. So I knew what the department needed and I knew what I was getting into and I was ready for the challenge. <laughs> And did, did you know you're like, oh, they need a production because a production's a valuable education, but also going to attract more students to the department, theoretically, right? Absolutely. You can't have a theater department without a production. I mean, that is what theater is. We are made and built to put performances on the stage in order to engage an audience. <laughs> so without a production, there is no audience. Without an audience, there is no theater. Yeah. And it's amazing. I, I do. It's funny. We can, I was not actually thinking of asking this because, but, but what got you as I'm backing up, what brought you to temp? I know you were in New York for a little while. I know you went to grad school here. Right. And. Yes. I, I was in New York for 12 years and I um, went to grad school at the actor studio drama school at the time it was at the new school university. Um, and I had a theater company in New York as well. And uh, Tampa came about, I came in 2003. So after 9-11, I was in New York during 9-11. Obviously we know that was not a good time. Um, and that things changed. I mean, things drastically changed. My family is in Florida. My family, I hadn't lived in the same state as my family in over 20 years. Uh, and all of a sudden, like those things became important and more important than I had initially thought. And I realized that my obviously the theater company had dissolved after 9-11 and there wasn't it was just a strange, strange time and terrible, scary time. And so it was really kind of hard to get back on my feet, like and pursuing auditioning. That's what I was doing. I was an actor. I was a waitress uh, and I was you know, that's what I was doing. And it was hard to get that back. So I was with someone, my ex-husband, who said, let's go to Florida. And I was like, Ugh. but <laughs> at the same time, my family was here. And to be honest, we had also talked about moving to Los Angeles, which was a much more exciting opportunity for me than Florida. But um we went to both places. We went to LA for a month. We had friends in both places. Um, 
friends in the industry in LA and we loved it, absolutely loved it. And I was like, yes, this is the place. And it had always been my dream to be in Los Angeles. And um, we came to Tampa and it was equally as exciting. Like I was like, wow, this is kind of a really cool place. And that's before Tampa was cool. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the weather, that's before Tampa got on the top 50 cities of Time Magazine. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So the, but the weather was amazing and the people here were really fantastic and it provided that opportunity to, um, see, be in the same state as my parents. And I went to a lot of theater that was happening and I was like, okay, there's theater in Tampa. I can do this. Like I can do this. So yeah, we took the leap and we moved to Tampa. Nice. And well, I, I sort of love it because I, you know, obviously you were in New York for 12 years and there's this sense, you know, you want to be in New York or LA or Chicago or something, but I love the entrenchment in a community that you, where you get to work and you get to build relationships where somebody at lab theater says, I hear you're looking for, to do a musical, you know, and that partnership happens. And it seems from the outside eye, it seems, you know, easier not, you know, then there's a lot more complications is the one word in New York, you know, when I think about trying to form those partnerships and the money and what it is. And, and, uh, and so when you saw the theater in Tampa and you said, Oh, I can do this. It was, it was to do the sales. The sales job is your job, but it was still with an eye to theater of you were still pursuing it or no, I'm just checking in. Absolutely. Uh, I was, of course, I could never let go of my love of theater. I've been in the arts my whole life. My love of arts came from my father. Um, we, I worked in community. My father was a brilliant actor and director and singer. And um, we, I worked with him in many, many community theater projects growing up. And uh, so it was always there and it would never go away. As was I going to pursue it to make a living anymore? I didn't really know. However, at the time I was working for the, the auto show, the auto industry. So the big car show that travels around the country as a spokesperson for BMW. So I was still in it making money as a, you know, and it's some other form other than a traditional desk job. So that's, and I was able to transfer, to move to Tampa, still keeping that job and keeping my foot in. And I had an agent that threw that job and so forth and keeping my foot in the industry that way. But I found that I was traveling a lot and I didn't want to travel so much when I was um, working, when I would, had just moved to Tampa. And um Oddly enough, because I was an auto industry person for BMW, all of the industry people said, go sell BMWs. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I went to sell BMWs and I was immediately hired because the person was like, wow, you know more about BMWs than I do. <laughs> and I mean, that's what I did. I went to the car show and talked about BMWs and uh, which are beautiful cars. And I still love them today. But, uh, and he, my sales manager, who was an amazing sales manager from Rich, uh, Rich Gaelic. And uh, he like took me under his wing and taught me everything there was to know about sales. And there's, you know, there's a thing about sales and performing and it's all kind of connected. And uh, so I, I did that for a little while. I 
I didn't love that actually, but, <laughs> but because of that sales experience, then I was recruited um, to work for Clear Channel Radio and radio sounded a whole lot more interesting. Now I was like moving back into my performance world and um, sounded a whole lot more interesting than, than, uh, than car sales. And it was actually because of my master's degree, one of those were one of the factors that got me hired. They um, were really impressed. They're like, you have a master's degree in dramatic arts. Wow, like this is like, they, you don't see that a lot in Tampa. You probably see it more in Tampa now, but at the time you didn't see that a lot. So um, that was one of the things that got me in the door and I was able to continue using all of those great skills that you use for theater. And I just started gradually getting back into um, auditioning and, and pursuing it from a performance standpoint as an actress. And, and it was a great experience. It still is. I still do to some extent, not a lot, but I don't have as much time anymore. <laughs> well, it's funny. No, because you're running, I would imagine not as much time because you're running a department, but right. I see, and, and running it, I feel like when I, my experience, because you've partnered with the farm three times is that it's, you described doing an outside production and all the positions you have to hire because they're not on staff and they're not full-time on the faculty. And, and it, you know, there might be a half a person, <laughs> a half a position that's supporting you at some point, but it's primarily you. Um, and, and, and I think it's great. And one of the things I wanted to ask is like, at what point when you were in there, like you, you do, one of the reasons I want to talk is not only getting entrenched in a community and and I think the nimbleness and getting to do a new musical, but also you create all these opportunities. It's from the outside again for, for your students going to SCTC, going to Sundance. Yes. On that. Like mm -hmm. how did, what inspired you to, what inspired, you know, look, first you come in, you're not doing, the school's not doing productions. And now the students are going, you know, to Sundance, they're going to SETC in Lexington, their students are reaching out. Was that happening before? No, that was not happening before that. Uh, so, yeah, this I take the students to we just went to SETC in Lexington, Kentucky, to Casey's eight to KCACTF, which I am also a respondent for in the southeast region. And we've been several times and have been awarded. Um, directing for actually Hierarchy of Fish and which collaborated with the farm on and uh, where else did we come to New York City as um, you know as well and yes and Sundance Film Festival in in uh, Park City Utah those are the main we've gone to Chicago as well and done a lot of improv work in Chicago those are the main places where I take the students uh, as well as bringing in outside guest artists into the school. It is something that I felt very passionate about because these students don't have opportunities. They come, the majority of these students come from backgrounds that have no exposure to any of these opportunities. They're literally, most, a lot of my students are first time college students. Uh, first time generation college students, meaning that they are the first ones in their family to attend a college, to attend schooling past high school. Um, so it's a big deal for them to be there. And 
just having these opportunities, you know, these are things that I've done my whole life. I, I don't know why. It's just something that I've always pursued. I was fortunate enough to be a risk taker, an adventurer, and I wanted to find, always wanted to find new ways to just improve myself and my world around me and absorb things. I, I still absorb things like a sponge. And so it just became important to me to make these opportunities viable for my students. And um, yeah, so we do it. <laughs> <laughs> and and when you're doing that and making it viable, is that going to, how, how are you getting support? Is it the school? We do get support from the school for these events, uh, for these trips. We have a SGA, the Student Government Association, that we're very active in with our theater club. And we do uh, lots of volunteer activities, community activities, performances. The students write and direct their own performances. And uh, we ask for money from the SGA and they give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of it, but we get a big chunk of it from them. And then the students do have to fundraise or um, pay a small portion out of pocket for whatever the balance of the trips are. It's amazing. And I, yeah, I love, it's funny. I like got to spend SDTC with you and four of the students for mm -hmm. a, a chunk of time. And I just loved hearing their authentic perception of the experience. Like they were very clear on what was valuable, what was useful, what wasn't, you know. Yes. But I also like the SETC we, uh, I have talked about, but the idea that they get to look at all the four-year college programs that are available that, you know, you wouldn't, you don't get to see, you know, and all of a sudden it's, it's that simple next step is that eye-opening awareness of what's there is valuable besides coming to New York where we did the workshop. It's yes. Funny. I'm like, you got nominated for Judith play. Yes. And we did the workshop of the rewritten version. And this, I also loved the students fell in love with the play and I think campaign to make it happen, you know? Yeah, <laughs> which, absolutely. Which is absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Which is great that they had, that, I mean, there was more to it than that, but their uh, desire to do it is what, I think that that's where I go back to the nimbleness that I like, that like, oh, you can you can plan around, like, oh, they're excited about this, let's do it. Right, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I love to tell that story of how all of that came about because it's so sort of interwoven of how we met and how I became involved in the farm theater and how the hierarchy of fish evolved. And, you know, um, we met through mutual friends. And then, of, of course, at Atha is where we eventually met in Boston. Yes, Boston, right? Yep. And uh, started the conversation about the farm theater. And then finally, we're able to put that in place with Judith, Leora, and the hierarchy of fish which was a wonderful, amazing experience. And that was the first original production, new production that the college, that I had done with the college. And wow. so, so that was really exciting. Yeah. And of course, um, yeah. So it was just a great experience. And at that time I had so many involved students that were, I just wanted to cast them all, but I ended up double casting that production, which was crazy because it was already a large cast. It was already a cast of nine, I think. And so we ended up casting 18 students and revolving the cast. Um, 
And then, you know, as you know, we were supposed to call the, and Judith was wonderful. She came to Florida and I, I came to New York for the original reading and we were supposed to have the second college. And then of course, and, and our performance was fantastic. And um, then we know what happened, COVID happened and the hierarchy of fish got put on Zoom at the next college at Shenandoah. And then of course, no one was doing anything after that. So we were never able to complete the project. We were never able to see the final revision, to hear the final revision, to come to New York, to hear the final revision. And I was pretty adamant about that happening because I still had two, three students from the original production that hadn't graduated yet because of COVID. They had you know, slowed down on their classes and taken some time and I really wanted to give them some closure on the project as well. And that's when we were able to set up us coming to New York and uh, having Judith come and meet us and bring a revision of the play. And to both of our surprise, it was a completely new play. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the Colonel, the, 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 the thing that made the play, all the ingredients were in the first hierarchy of fish, but she found a more focused way yes. of telling the story. Yes, and it was a new play, um, the it Further Adventures of Tent Girl and Nazi Barbie in the Great Whatever. And uh, this play contains every current topic that you can possibly imagine with a very shocking and dramatic ending of a school, of a student bringing a gun into a school and turning it on his professor and then ultimately himself. Um, and so I was really, we read the play in New York and the students just immediately connected to the language and to the, the content and everything else in it. And I was really excited about that, but I was also really nervous about bringing that content to our stage. And they kept saying, we wanna do it, we wanna do it. And so. So in the audition process, this goes to your point of being flexible. I had actually had three plays chosen. Well, that was one of them. The other was uh, Dead Man's Cell Phone by Sarah Rule, and then another one called Language of Angels. Um, and I can't remember the playwright. But uh, so I auditioned all three. And the one that consistently rang true and rang uh, brought the energy from the students was Judas Play. So after, during the audition process, I talked and communicated with every single one about, with them about the importance of the work that we were bringing to the stage and the depth of the content that we had to believe in and that we had to make true and that we had to deal with and talk about. And they all said, and I said, are you ready to do that? And they all resoundedly would say yes every single time. And, um, you know, the play covers rape, the play covers gender identity, the play covers the patriarch, um, the play covers so many important topics today. And yes, there's some political undertones in it as well. Um, but they resoundingly said yes. So I couldn't, I, I had to do it. <laughs> And we did it and we did it. And it was a huge success. And we sold out, I think, almost every performance. And going back to your point about being a solo art, uh, solo department of one, I'll never forget when you and Judith were there during a sold out performance and I was seating people in the in the theater. <laughs> and Judith said to me afterwards, she's like, oh, and you seat people? And I said, yes, and I seat people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that 
yes, that part is impressive too, that you are literally everything at that moment. But I love the conversation with the students. And I think that, I mean, I love in the workshop in New York that they wanted to do it and it was clear they wanted to do it. And I thought that was not one of the things that was great. And I applaud all of the schools. I talk about it a lot on the pod is the schools to do the college collab are investing in process. And when we did the workshop in New York, because really because the world had changed in COVID and before that new draft that Judith brought, she sort of said, oh, I lost the play sort of fell apart for her at one point. And it was great because your response was, well, let's do it. And then we can talk about how that happens. You know, talk about the process. And I think that openness uh, was exciting and it gave permission. And I think that openness of like saying to the playwright, look, we can talk about where you're at or why, why it didn't work or whatever, probably gave the confidence to look at it and say, let me get another draft in there. Yeah, that's true, because the initial thought of uh, when we were coming to New York for the workshop was not to read a play again. It was to talk just to complete the process. And we knew that the world changed and the original Hierarchy of Fish was not it was still relevant, but it wasn't it was a different play because it was a different time. And it was really about so uh, talk about whatever came up from that to uh, discuss from the playwright's point, from Judah's point, like, what do we do with this play now? Or how do we where do we go? Where are we in the world now? We're in a different place in the world. So, yeah, it always comes back to the process of there's always a process that, that's happening. So that was what was more important to me about actually than actually having a new play or a new draft. And, you know, we kind of got, we got both. We got, you did get get both. And the students immediately, I, I, you know, it's not what you expected coming out of the workshop of reading around the table of them being like, we have to do this. Because there were so many ingredients from the first, I thought the people who did it originally might be like, well, that's so much better, but we did it. And it was like, no, it's so much better and it's different and it's relevant. I'm also surprised that that was your first original play because I now know we've done total of three and Mm -hmm. you've got the new musical happening. Mm -hmm. And did that, I mean, that and others have happened. Is it, is it, I feel like I'm asking a question I know the answer to, but are you doing it because you enjoy, you really appreciate that collaboration, not just with the farm, but I mean on the new play, or is it the the contemporaneous of the work or is it the, uh, all of it, the value for the students? It's a lot of those things. Um, and I'm not going to lie. That's to quote a student of mine who says that all the time. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the, there's a cost factor involved too. I don't have to pay for royalties. <laughs> um, but as far as the work and the process, yes, I my my love centers around new work and new plays. Uh, that was part of the thing that I really took away from the actor's studio. We had the collaboration between the director, the playwright, and the actor. And I think that is absolutely the biggest thing I took away from the studio. And um, I've always had that collab, wanting that collaboration. So being able to bring a new script to life, you know, is really important to me. I've never, I've never been a Shakespeare fan. I, 
as much as I respect the bard, I, it's not my thing, you know, I, you know, sure there are adaptations. Yes. I've directed a couple of Shakespeare plays. Um, I've written an adaptation to Midsummer, um, but it, it's not, it's, it's not the world that we live in right now. And I feel a very strong connection that I really strong, or I feel a very strong point that theater is a reflection of the world that we live in. And anytime I have the opportunity to put that on a stage, that's what's exciting to me. So new work generally provides that opportunity. Um, I guess you could argue that point with Zombie Beach, <laughs> but there's still, but there's still something, you know, there's, it's still, it's still relevant. There's still, there's still a point to be made. There's still an entertainment value. There's still, um, you know, well, I'm there's, gonna... as, there's a reflection of, it is a reflection of the society because, you know, it is part, everything that's involved in it comes from what has happened in our world. Yeah. And there's an, a lot of attention to the zombie world of the afterlife slash end of the world, you know. Yes. All absolutely. of that. But I also appreciate the fact that after the two and a half years that the school has gone through now three year anniversary of, you know, shutting down, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, value in having fun. Yes, absolutely. And that's exactly where we are too. And, and to, finish a little bit more yeah about the new work I think the process for the students is extremely valuable um you know it's crazy we in theater we tend to overlook the playwright and I might be generalizing but I mean it took me as a student a long time to accept that to understand you know we can't really have theater without a playwright and, um, you know, all of the great classics, all of, you know, all of Eugene O'Neill, who is a favorite playwright of mine, and Arthur Miller, and Tennessee Williams, and August Wilson, and all of the, you know, as we call the canon, the historical canon, brilliant playwrights. And yet, for so many, you know, they're sort of, oftentimes the playwrights taken for granted. And we forget the process that they go through. And that was something that I felt was really important for the students to recognize and learn early on that there is a process that a playwright goes through and there is a process that it takes to get a play put on the stage. And I just felt a lot of that there, that was something really important. So then when they do go back and they work on great plays by great playwrights, Sam Shepard and so many more, um, Sarah Rule, that they understand, oh, wow, like this really, like this didn't happen overnight. You know, this wasn't just something they threw up on the stage. And that might sound trivial and obvious, but it's not always trivial and obvious to them. <laughs> well, right, because you buy something that's published, you know, and it looks finished and it looks like it came out finished. And I think, you know, you listed all those playwrights who were very much informed by what was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. And also strikes me because when you work on it when the people who got to work on judas play from one period of history to a changed period how it changed because of the impact of what was happening in the world you can then go back to the august wilson play and say well not only what was happening when he wrote it but what was happening in the period that he's writing about and you know and have that awareness like oh right it was impacted by reality yeah i just want playwrights to continue to write 
I want, I, you know, and again, I love to go back to the new, to the classical work and, um, you know, and published plays because of course they're published for a reason and they're fun and it's great. And in a lot of ways, it's a lot easier than working on a new play. Um, working on new plays is hard. <laughs> it's very hard, um, but it's, it's, it's fun and rewarding at the same time. Great. I, I want to, obviously I'm a fan of that. I want to ask <laughs> about the investment, like, well, first I was going to ask about the investment in the Tampa community for you and other theaters. And has this position helped you establish relationships with other theaters or did you have them already as a person who was going out and maybe participating before adjunct teaching? I think uh, it's a little bit of both. And um and just to yeah clarify, I was only an adjunct for a year before I became full time, which was awesome. Um, but I think it was a little bit of both. I was already entrenched in the community um, quite heavily by through auditioning and performing. Um, I performed with several theater companies already at that time. Um, I volunteered a lot at the theater at a lot of theater companies. Um, so I did. It was. I was already sort of in it. And then I think the position did open up more doors for me to invite in other artists um, to HCC and also to invite in other community relationships with these theater companies. So um, not only with Lab Theater, but Stageworks Theater, we have done multiple things with them. We've participated in readings for them. We have uh, obviously attended, we get invited to see a lot of their shows. Um, we have, uh, what else have we done? Uh, the Fringe Festival, where I personally am heavy involved in the Fringe Festival and bringing it, 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 it started in Ybor City, it's still in Ybor City. They now have their own space, but for a long, for their first few years, they were entrenched at HCC. So we became involved in them with having workshops with them. Again, so the students have this exposure to the Fringe Festival. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's a little bit of both. I was already there, but then the position that I'm in now has opened up doors for me to uh, have even greater connections and relationships with them. It's, uh, it's funny because it also yeah comes I think with being part of an institution where you can talk to the fringe and say okay what if we what if you come in here right yeah. right right and I think with that being said too one of my greatest successes I like to believe is that my students when they graduate I've had many students who yes some uh, the majority of them transfer to a four-year college whether it be USF or UCF um, those are the two primary ones. Some go out of state to New York and Chicago and Los Angeles, but primarily they do uh, get their four-year degree in Florida. Um, but I've had many, 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 many students who, after graduating either from HCC or their four-year college, move on to get jobs at the Strauss Center. Um, one of my former students is now uh, a technical director at the Strauss Center uh, for the Patel University, many of them were worked with job site, with stage works, with um, with American Stage, with many, with a lot of the theater companies. So that's a huge, and of course we have all the wonderful theme parks here, Bush Gardens and Lowry Park Zoo, which is actually called Zoo Tampa now. 
And uh, yeah, so they get jobs there too. And that's a really exciting thing and a huge success when they're, when they're working out in the community. So great. Yeah, I was going to ask the success. It's funny to hear that, like, sure, going on to the four-year school and continuing and and staying there. I was going to ask about the success, but actually what I wanted to ask is when you go to these other places, the Chicago, New York, SETC, KCACTF, all of that, Sundance. The Sundance one strikes me because I go, that's just, it's a, it's amazing to think that if you're a college student in Ybor City, that you're experiencing what that is. Um, but my next question is, besides opening their eyes up and creating opportunities for them, what do you get out of it? Um, I love it. Oh my gosh. It's, I, I love all of it. It's, it keeps me, it keeps me inspired. It keeps me involved. It keeps me current. Uh, and I think, again, that's really important for the students and for me. Um, yeah, I learned, like I said, I learned new things every single time, every, every conference I attend, even though the conferences are for the students, except for APA, which is for me primarily for faculty, um, I, I, I just love it. I get inspired every single time. I learn something new. I take what I learn. I, you know, um, I, I put it in somewhere, some nugget in somewhere. I think as we, uh, as we both, yeah, as I listened to your podcast with Skylar and I had the opportunity of seeing Skylar, you know, something about magic just rang, like it's still with me now. And I keep looking at like, what are the surprises? What are the surprises in our daily life that we should be investing in? What are the engaging in? What are the surprises in Zombie Beach? Like I've just been looking for those nuggets of surprises. So just that like one little thing that he talked about of magic and surprise just sparked so many things in me. So it doesn't take a lot. So I love it all. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot, but but it does take a lot to keep that fire going. <clears throat> to me, it may not take a lot for you to get it fanned, but I'm thinking, you know, there's, I'm glad to hear that's what it does because uh, current and inspired is vital because when you're the one person show, and I, I don't want to keep hitting that, but I do think like, oh, there's a lot that you have to bring. Like you have to bring that conversation to the kids to say, hey, this play is challenging with these topics and this issue. And are you willing to bring that? every night and do you want to is that's an energy of care that comes into the room but also inspiring them to then do the work to the next level and you know you have to keep what they give back inspires you but you have to stay inspired to keep moving them forward and for for me when i think about that i go that's you know for i i try to imagine what's the challenge for me in a, mm -hmm. in a in a that community in a community you know I'm you're spoiled in New York because there's there's a reading on a Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock you know you can go see something and talk to artists afterwards and you know and then there's always a play somewhere you know well interestingly Tampa is really becoming that way as well I mean there is there is so much theater going on here now the Tampa Bay community and both uh, Tampa and St. Pete, you know, Ward Smith just opened a new theater as well. Um, the Off Central Players in St. Pete, which has been doing wonderful work. 
and there, there is, it, Tampa is, there's something, there's a reading, there's a production, there's something going on. Um, so we, and of course we have many colleges in Tampa. We have HCC, we have St. Pete College, we have University of Tampa, we have USF. So all of those theater departments are always doing something. So it's really, again, there, there is a lot that's happening and it's exciting, it's exciting. And then the, the numerous theater companies that are happening. Um, I wanted to just say really quickly too, that yes, we've been talking about me as a solo faculty member, which I am, and I do carry a lot of hats, ridiculous amount and too many and staying inspired by it. But another thing that keeps me inspired is the students. The students come bring me um, if I'm engaged with them, they're engaged with me and we we have great conversations and they keep me going. And the other thing is I, do, I don't really do it all alone. I have, you know, I have wonderful adjuncts such as Amy Salee and Owen Robertson and Trish Perry, who also help it go, you know, and if I didn't have them, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really be able to do everything I do. So they they do contribute quite a bit as well. And they're equally as inspiring. And I get to bounce ideas off them and they bounce ideas off me. And when we all get to work together, it's really amazing as well. Which yeah, doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. No, I was glad you said that because I actually was, I, I knew that because I've been there and I've seen the collaboration and, and helping with design and participating as designers and, and other aspects of, the team and I thought, oh, they're not full, you know, I don't want to discredit the one person engine that it is, but also include that it's a team. And I'm glad you said that they also bounce off ideas and inspiration and you know, what, yeah. What and else you know, like like any theater community, I think, you know, that it is all intertwined in some way. I mean, Trish Perry is a uh adjunct, but also the co-founder and artistic director of the Fringe Festival. <laughs> Owen Robertson is an adjunct, but also the founder and artistic director of Lab Theater Project. Amy Salee has just been involved in the theater, Tampa Bay theater community for as long as I can remember and just a fabulous and creative artist and actress. And I've worked with her on the stage. We've been in performances together. So we do this is where the community does become very small. Like we all really do start working, knowing each other, although it's getting bigger and bigger. So, um, but yeah, so there's that, you know, that intertwining that certainly happens of, it's all about connections and relationships is what we tell our students all the time. Yes, it is. And it's also good to hear when you say like versus 2003, when you moved there and it was, you had a good experience, but it has grown into an, a, mm -hmm. a theater art scene, which mm -hmm. is really, I've had, yeah, I've had very good experiences, not only at HCC, but doing, uh, having a play produced in the area and also just getting, spending time walking around downtown and going, oh, right, it's beautiful. And there's arts. I like thinking of the museum that's across from the straws <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that I really spent Every the, break on. the Glacier Museum, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't. Well, you were here recently, but um, downtown doesn't even look the same. It, I, I get lost going downtown now. I'm like, what is this? What is this building? What is this street? Like, what? There is a downtown, and it's a vibrant downtown. It's insane, but it's beautiful, and it's it's exciting, and it's wonderful, and 
all of the arts are starting. We hope, we, I mean, we're still pushing, you know, to get recognition for all of the arts, not only theater, but dance and music and visual arts. Although the visual arts, man, I think they're the ones who are really taking the lead, um, which is wonderful for them because I think that in, you know, a lot of ways they've always taken the back step because they're not a performance venue, but, um, but yeah, so, and we have new arts facilities opening too. We have a, a brand new arts facility opening that Keith Arsenal is now running and uh, just north of the city. So lots of, it's it's crazy. Again, top 50 city by Time <laughs> Magazine. <laughs> deservedly so. A, I should get a plug from like the county or the city or something, you should, right? You should, the town, the, the city should, should, they should listen to the pod and be like, oh, we need to. Yeah. Exactly. Need to acknowledge Susie more. Um, with that, what do you, you know, it's funny, I'm hearing the entrenchment and just one of the questions is, what do you think you carry into the room? And it was today that maybe you didn't when you started. And I was thinking about, it could be anything, you know, but when you move to, when you move back, thinking and starting, just starting the job even, what do you, yeah, what do you carry in? I'm not going to try to answer it. <laughs> Um, I, I absolutely believe that I have confidence now and I have a, a set of core values that I really adhere to. And I think the top three are accountability, risk-taking and collaboration. So I feel that I bring all of those things in when I walk into a room and I'm ready, you know, if you ask me to do something and I say, yes, I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to make sure it's going to happen. And I'm probably going to take a risk with it. I'm going to push the boundaries a little bit to maybe more to see, you know, where it can act, where the project can go or where the class can go or whatever it is that I'm working on. What's, what's the next level of it? It's not just what's, if we're talking, you know, it's not just what's written on the page. What's outside of the page? What is, um, you know, where where can we go with it? So what is that boundary? Where Where is that surprise? Where is that surprise? And then collaboration. Yes, as a solo faculty member, I am. And as I said, I wear many hats, but I cannot do it by myself. So I welcome anyone who is willing to give me ideas, to listen to my ideas, to work together. And I think that uh, yeah, I think those are, and that includes in my classes too, you know, my students, even though, yes, I am ultimately the one who has the final say, they, I really respect their words and their visions and their ideas, um, both in the classroom and on the stage. So, and having the confidence to say, yeah, okay, this is knowing, yes, this is what I bring and the confidence to, you know, fail as well because we do fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about the funny when you said you listen to this guy, we talked about the failing and redefining the word as a neg not negative, but it's like, it just comes from being willing to try something new. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, finding the surprise or the value or where can pushing it to the edge, where else can this go? Yeah. It's great. And it's, you talked about community. Before I ask you about advice, I am going to ask, like, when, you know, I know you did the Ukrainian play reading project. Yeah. How did, how did that come up? And is that involved with the school and the students or what was that? 
Wow. Yeah, that is another really special project um, that came about through AFA, the Association of Theater Higher Ed, and our two-year um, community college subgroup that we have. And there was a college who was involved with the project and kind of put it out there for anyone to get involved and I jumped on it. I'm like, oh, Ukraine, I want to support the Ukraine. I'd been, this was, you know, back in August. So the war had only been going on for, you know, roughly four or five months at that time. And we had still hoped that there was going to be an end soon and believed that there was going to be an end soon. And I had been looking for ways to get involved and bring awareness as one of the things that theater does. And that was like, oh my gosh, my new plays, support Ukraine, Ukrainian playwrights, like how to, it can't get any better than this. Make money by doing it, fundraise. And so I, I jumped on the project and um, got to, you know, and worked with the uh, the creator of the project who his wife is Ukrainian, John Friedman is his name. And he uh, brought it all together and he was in, still, in, they left the Ukraine like early January, 20, um, early and, uh, before things got too crazy. And, but he stayed in contact with the playwrights and said, Hey, the playwrights were writing because they needed to write because that was their way of surviving. And of course the playwrights are now fighting the war. And then there was just this need to continue to stay connected to the world and also to find ways to fundraise for them, for them personally. And it's a wonderful project. It's still happening. Uh, hundreds of cities and countries around the world and plays and students and professional theater companies and community theaters. And it's a really wonderful, beautiful collective project. And that's how I got involved in it. And yes, we did it last semester. And there is talk of us doing it again with a uh, community and uh, another theater place, Studio 620 in St. Pete with more community members um, from a community member who has actually refuged some Ukrainian families in her home. So, so yeah, another great way of how theater is so special. <laughs> it, yeah, and it's great that somebody mentioned it and that you took the opportunity. And it, it, it I'm gonna just get the name right, but it's the Ukrainian Play Reading Project? Yes, that is correct. And so, so other people can continue to do it if they're listening, like, how do I get involved? Absolutely. Fundraise and for the cause. No, it sounded amazing. And it's also one of the great things that, you know, theater can do is tell stories. And I love that the playwrights are writing when you said to survive, you know, mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. they need to do something. And so mm -hmm. tell the story. Um, it's great. Um doesn't have to be for students. It can be. It can be for anyone in a career or any aspect you like. But one of the questions I like to ask is, do you have advice that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, sure. I, I think that it is really staying, finding those, and this is for anyone. You know, I, I tell my students that creating character and, and acting is about really about life and that the skills that you need as an actor are skills, they're really life skills. Uh, and I think that, so finding those core values for yourself and identifying what they are for young people, for young new artists, for people that may have not figured it all out yet. I certainly haven't figured it out yet, but I do find that if you are able to 
really identify those core values. What's important to you? What drives you? And stick to those core values and apply them to any decision making that you have to make, you know, and the further and further you, you get into your career, the more and more decisions you have to make. Um, you know, that's why we always say we get paid the big bucks, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, again, those core values for me are just so important of being accountable, taking a risk, collaborating. And there's many, many more. But I think that if you can grab onto them. And of course, you know, we're staying connected to the things that inspire you, whether they be nature. You know, I, I spend a lot of time out in my RV camping as well as, as uh, being in the theater. So extremely important to me to have that time traveling, whatever those things are that inspire you, you absolutely need those things and you need your downtime. Susie, thank you for that conversation. Thank everyone for listening. Um, yeah, I just, I love the core value thing. I mean, obviously I like to take your time and recharge. I think recharging is important. Funny, after doing the Shenandoah thing, I needed a day off just to do <laughs> nothing because it was two days of, you know, intense conversation and, and investment in the work and the travel. And you think like, right, you just, you need to, I mean, a day is not the thing, but you need to recharge and you need to just be social. And for me, you know, watch uh march madness and you know rethink about you know give yourself space and time for what's next i think that's great but the core values i really appreciated and i think that taking a risk is it's key it's key and and collaboration which she models constantly you know three times with the farm twice with judith and i think that relationship may continue and I was just grateful and grateful to Karen Square for doing the introduction and thinking, oh, this is a person who will really appreciate what the farm's offering. And, you know, on that, I also, I love the partnership with Furman and Shenandoah, both schools that heavily invest in the collaborations and and partnerships with the playwrights and making sure that the plays are really well served. And, and that's great. And, um, and I love seeing the work. I love hearing, you know, I love hearing what the students are thinking about, about what's next and and Dipti's writing this idea of protest and what it takes to protest and you know uh and what it means and what are what do you have to sacrifice and what are your and what are the pressures in today's era to do it and it was just nice to hear the thorough thoughtfulness of students thinking about it and it was also it's also here great to hear the one student who said you know and I wish we didn't have to think about it all the time I wish we could just do our day-to-day and and uh and I like that honesty in the room, too, of just that there's a lot of work and pressure going into social change. And right now it's like sometimes I just want to make a play. Uh, but theater itself is social change just by investing in the individual that whose stories you're telling. And I really I really valued hearing that and thought it was great and think it's true. Um, you know, remembering just shining light on our humanness is is vital and make sure and that was one of the things they all talked about is as we talk in broad strokes about us and them we lose track of the individual and i really think that was what was enjoyable is the conversations and the work of the students on dipti's monologues and uh the conversation i heard about in Furman is it's really looking at the individual more than the bigger global thing and i 
It's grateful to hear all that. And so with that, I would love to hear what you are individually working on uh, right now. Dave Anzuelo's play, Die Noche, is happening at the Labyrinth Theater at 59 East 59th, and it's running for a couple more weeks and just opened. And uh, Neil Tyrone Pritchard is in it and doing great work, and Pete Collier is in it and doing really good work. The cast is doing great work, and... Uh, uh, a couple of people who invest in the farm a lot, and I'm really glad to see them getting a chance to shine. So that's nice. Yeah, so let me know what you're doing, and we will make sure to get there and let people know about it. And talked about this in a newsletter this week, but, you know, champion the work that you think is vital and needs to be seen. And with that, we're out. We're out.